Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. Our Nottingham Forest move up to eighth place in the championship, just a point off the playoffs after three one win over QPR. Thanks to a Jets and Thunderbastard, if we can say that. A Ryan Yates collected goal and uh, Brennan Johnson shot past the Hampshire keeper to seal the points and set up a game against the other Reds on Sunday in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And to look ahead to that and look back on the game last night, we're joined first of all by Liverpool's assistant academy director and former Forest Academy director, Nick Marshall. Nick, hello, are you okay? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. Good. Although I did say I've had a fry up for breakfast and I'm drinking so much tea, it's pure salt. Got to, got to live healthy and eat healthy. So that's a bad start today. And our second guest is Forza Garibaldi's Greg Mitchell. Greg, you okay as I move on to water? Yeah, good as ever. Celebrating a little bit a little bit too much again, but we're getting used to that now. <laughs> yeah. God, if they get promoted, then I have to drag you out of the alleyway. <laughs> right. Um, uh, what did you make of it then in the ground, Greg, last night? A pretty, well, it certainly deserved, wasn't it? Special again, just the this, this second half performance. It's just, you go in at half time still thinking like Old Forest from a year or so back, thinking, God, a draw would be a good result now. And the way our team, our squad just turn it on after the injuries as well. And, you know, he could be a little bit deflated and we just kept going and going and getting better and better. Probably one of the best second halves I've seen this season. What, what impressed you, Nick? Or did anything worry you as well, actually, from watching Forest? <laughs> A lot, what's impressed me it looks a very coherent team I mean it's, it's, I've watched little bits and pieces through the season and I watched the whole of the uh, Sheffield United match the other day it looks a very coherent side at the moment it looks like they actually know what they're about uh, which is not always the case is it not always the case for for most teams it's you know you go mm, not quite sure if why he's playing here or why they're playing that formation or kind of see what they try to do but it's not working it looks at the moment with the uh, with the Forest side that they're uh, yeah, they're thinking with all all guns blazing. To be honest with you, it seems to be uh, seems to be in a good place. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I suppose it's never quite total plain sailing. They did go behind. What did you make of the goal? Uh, actually, Nick, I'll ask you from a professional point of view. Will Figueiredo be a little disappointed, and the keeper be disappointed? Or do we give credit to the striker and, and the setup? Yeah, there's not there's not a, not a goal goes by even the absolute worldly ones where you look from a defensive viewpoint and go, oh, I wish I could have done that a little bit better. So I'm sure they'll be disappointed with with, with a couple of things in that. But yeah, look, goals don't happen. Goals don't happen without the odd little mistake here or the odd bit of magic going the other way. So I don't think that's abnormal. What what do you think about it, Greg? Figueiredo's not played much football at all. It's just, it's quite a tough ask, isn't it? It's coming again, especially Andre Gray is a good striker in the championship. We kind of give yeah. him a bit of an allowance. Yeah, because it was the way they responded after that. Figs and Horvath, you know, he made a couple of great saves, and then Figs was absolutely spotless second half. I don't think they had a shot after like fifty minutes. So yeah, it was disappointing, but it was what they did after it that was the impressive thing. How they responded to it. You think Horvath should have saved it, probably? Then, or is, or just one I think it went through his legs, didn't it? But I mean, 
<laughs> it's tough, isn't it? I'm no goalkeeper, so yeah, I bet he's disappointed, but he didn't concede another and we won it really comfortably, so it doesn't matter to me. They moved on quickly and they, they got the result. I suppose bearing in mind that's Figueiredo's first start since January on a heavy pitch. Do you have to give him credit, Nick, just for getting through the game and not going off with a bad hamstring? Because that, that could have happened, couldn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, the game's the game's changed a lot in 30, 40 years in terms of the physical stress on players. So actually being out now is it's not always easy. And in the old days, I guess, they'd have got the fitness back playing reserve team football and that doesn't happen either. So uh, for a player to come back in, churn out 90 minutes on what looked like a very wet pitch, uh, he'll be he'll be delighted to have got through the game, I think. At half-time, I was still confident Forrest would win. I put that in our, our WhatsApp group. But you do need the equaliser to come. And the goal from Spence. I mean, when was the last time we saw a goal like that, Greg? Cohen v Ipswich or something from McGugan? Yeah, probably McGugan. We had the perfect angle as well. Lower Bridgeford right behind it and you saw the dip. I mean, the initial shot, I loved the whole crowd shouted shoot. Um, and it looked like it was going over. And that dip halfway was just sublime. It was unbelievable. You know, and Middlesbrough must be rubbing their hands after every single game now because he's just getting better and better. I'd say he's better than Cash was now playing for us. He really has, you know, just took that extra step. Yeah, I think he probably has. What do you make of him, Nick, from what you've seen of him this season? Yeah, I mean, he's been a revelation, hasn't he? Been a revelation. Obviously, Middlesbrough seems to have had a few problems with his his attitude or behaviour or whatever it was. And and, and loaning him to Forest has been a bit of a masterstroke from their perspective as well. Obviously, Steve's uh, very good at, at, at getting the best out of young players, but he looks some kind of prospect. I mean, I've read a few things talking about him being around England squads and whatever, and it's a pretty good competition in that in that attacking uh, right-back spot, as, 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 as we'd attest to. Uh, but he's let a little some prospect. I mean, it's just a shame that, you know, you're probably going to lose him at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Unfortunately, even if they go up, it's looking pretty bleak now. I mean, obviously, you've worked with, you mentioned, pro, you know, attacking right-backs. You've worked with Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think he's, it's probably fair to say this season he's the benchmark, even ahead of Walker, James and, and Trippier. How far away is Spence from that level? Because we've got to be realistic, haven't we? He's not that good, is he? It's, it's difficult for me to really comment because I've not watched him loads. He certainly seems to have got the attributes to uh, to play at the very, very highest level. There's no doubt about that. Athletically, he's really, really good. He's clearly the modern fullback, seems to be a fullback that is has to be good going forwards and Yesterday, he's not, not going to get a better example of, of that, I guess. And he's contributed to quite a few goals this season. So he looks like he's got the attributes to to get right up there. I mean, England, we are we are blessed with it because James is an outstanding young uh, right-back as well. Uh, but he certainly looks to have the basic ingredients of that he's required. We're only going to find out when he's playing against top, top-level opposition week in, week out. But for his stage of development, wow, he looks some prospect. Yeah, we'll come on to top-class opposition because obviously we're going to be playing that on Sunday and we can ask about that more. Do you think he's ready for like not just Premier League football, Greg, but top-half Premier League football, the way he's playing? I'd just love to see him go. Like A couple of the German clubs are interested and in, you look what's happened with Jude Bellingham and players like that and Sancho when he went and came back. I'd love to see him at a, a club like Dortmund. I think he'd he'd then straight away be in contention. If he's playing week in, week out for a team like that, Southgate wouldn't be able to ignore him and how good he's getting. So if he doesn't stay with us once we're promoted, then I'd like to see him go abroad and, 
you know, he's shown that he doesn't mind taking a risk, leaving quite a solid Middlesbrough side to come to us. And I mean, on that note as well, I think we will lose quite a lot of our loans next season, but you'd hope the big clubs from the Prem see what we do with loanees over the last couple of seasons. And I'm sure Cooper will be in a position to ask for some of these players like we've got at the minute again. So it is exciting, even if we are going to lose him, which would be disappointing, obviously. You were nodding along there, Nick. I guess like Nico Williams is at Fulham. If Cooper picks up the phone to Jurgen Klopp and says, do you fancy sending one here now? I mean, he's, he can make a good case, can't he, for Forrest next season? Yeah, I mean, he obviously, with Ryan Brewster, when he when he went to Swansea under under Coops, he, he scored about 12 goals in half a season. So that did us no, no, no harm at all in terms of than him moving to Sheffield United for quite a considerable sum. So it's definitely something that, I mean, I, you know, I speak to our loan manager quite a bit and it's definitely something that big clubs look at, you know, the, the getting kids, at, you know, at the right loan is incredibly important because if you get it wrong, uh, you can knock, knock them back in their development, the value goes right down, but if you get it right, the opposite can happen. So I think Forrest, if Coop stays there, let's hope he does and, Hopefully it's in the Premier League, so we're not having this discussion. But if they are in the uh, Championship next season, then I would imagine that there won't be, uh, there won't be many clubs who will, will be afraid of uh, sending young uh, prospects over to the city ground. What are you looking for from a club to send a player to? What, what has to be there for you to want them to go to, to say, well, Forest or any other club? Yeah, it, they've got to play. You want them to play, obviously. It's not much point if they're going if they don't play. And the style's got to suit them. So it's no point sending... Uh, <clears throat> You know, an attacking right back, for example, like Nico Williams, to a team that's going to play a low block and, and drop off, and that's kind of the fullback's going to be a serving fullback and not bomb forward. That's going to kill them. Likewise, if you're going to play a centre, you, you, he's a centre forward, and he's a he's a tricky, quick player, and he's going to be expected to be looking to hold the ball up against big centre halves, and that's probably not his best best move. So you're looking at the fit being right, and I think the manager is a big part of that. That you know, the style of football that they want to play. Uh, which again puts I think Forrest in a really good position uh, Quick note then on uh, Ryan Yates got the second goal taught off it was credited to him I was a bit surprised it looked like it, looked like it was an own goal to me but we're not going to take it off Yates and I see Sky and the BBC haven't so that's good that makes it eight for the season for him do you know Ryan at all Nick or would he have yeah. been before your time yeah no I know I know Ryan yes yeah, so he he was he'd have been under 15 when I went uh, so we used to call him Giggsy don't know why but he's <laughs> first Play like Gigsy. Okay, <laughs> that, was that was his nickname at the academy. Uh, what a terrific boy! Actually, I, I was actually down at uh, the Forest training ground a, a few months ago with some of our younger groups and, and saw saw him there. It was good to catch up with him. What a terrific boy! Uh, a boy who's there was never any doubt that he would fulfil his potential, however high that was going to be, because of his attitude, because of the way he always wanted to learn. I mean, I know those stories. Obviously, when uh, Roy Keane was there, he was pestering Roy Keane to you know, questions for him, for, you know, to get better. He was definitely like that as an academy player. Uh, I'm just delighted from you want kids like that. Kids is a man now, isn't he? You want, you want, you want boys like that to just, just thrive because they deserve it. And he's, he's one of them. So absolutely made up for him. You talk about his potential there. I guess that's interesting because players progress at different rates, don't they? Obviously we see Brennan's flying now, Ryan's 23, 24 and playing his best football. What, what do you think his, potential is now what is his ceiling as a player Ryan yeah well I think yeah look look if you if he scored eight goals now in the championship which is which is a tough league he gets to the end of the season he scores 10 12 goals given his you know given his athletic qualities you know he's good in the air they put his foot in 
I could see him playing in the Premier League, whether that be for Forrest or somebody else. You probably won't want to hear that if you're in the Championship and somebody comes along. But I can see him playing in in in, in the Premier League. How high will depend on how that he how he progresses in that and how good he looks in that. But it wouldn't surprise me. There's certainly players uh, with his kind of attributes that have, that have forged successful careers at the highest level. So, yeah, goal-scoring midfield players, clubs want them. You, you talk about his character as well. I think it's interesting. Like. I think you say the same about Joe and about Brennan. Is is there no coincidence there that they're all good lads who, who've gone on to do well? Yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe's another one exactly like Yatesy. Exactly like Yatesy. Funny enough, I got a phone call from the England manager. Uh, the, he captained the, the team at the Toulon tournament and they won it. Uh, the England manager I've known for ages, he was ex, ex-coach at Everton and he rang me. Do you know Joe? Yeah, I know Joe. Well, he said, what, what an um, I've never met a kid, and this is a guy, by the way, who's Wayne Rooney's coach. I've never met a kid with a better attitude or a better leader in terms of his of his desire and his communication. He also played at Rangers with one of our old coaches, Michael Beale, who's uh, Stephen Gerrard's assistant assistant coach or first team coach. He said exactly the same about him. Character gets you a long way. You've got to have some ability, and clearly, physically, you've got to be able to cope. But character mentality tends to be the deciding thing when boys get around. You teams, uh, sorry, first teams at 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, the ones who can cope with that and who can stick in when things aren't going well, because that's that's a tough part of their career, because they kind of think they should be in the team and then they aren't in the team. A lot of them go down what we call the black hole. Uh, so if you've got the characteristics of those boys, both mentally and physically, you've got a chance of playing, which is which is exactly what they've done. You know, terrific. Good to hear or worrying to hear, Greg, because if Warrell goes... There's a big hole in the team and a big hole in the dressing room, isn't there? Well, if I can interrupt, one thing I, would say, one thing I would say about Joe, okay, and again, this comes from the assistant manager at, at, at Rangers. He rang me about Joe and he said he will not stop banging on. This is He's at Rangers, by the way, which is like a pretty big club. Uh, he would not stop banging on about Forrest. <laughs> he's in. All he ever talks about is Forrest. You know, he's like, what do you know the Forest results after games and stuff? So... Yeah, Joe's got a massive connection to the club. Uh, it would take something for him, uh, something big for him to leave. I think. What do you think then, Greg? If he, if, yeah. if he is tempted, I don't like how passionate you are about him. Really, hands off. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're we're okay for Santa Hals at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's just brilliant. Like I, I honestly can't ever feel him like this about a Forest squad ever. And uh, I think Yates is front runner for my player of the season now. He's got the top spot. And, um, or Giggsy, I love that. <laughs> it's just such a feel good time at Forest. And it was, you know, so disappointing to see McKenna go off again. Uh, sorry, McKenna go off last night, but hopefully that's precautionary. Um, but players just seem to fit in. We're getting these injuries. Other players are getting chances and they're coming in and you see the subs, you see like Cafus down the line just like treating a game like they're in the stands with us. It's just the passion in the entire squad comes out and it probably does come out from someone like Joe Worrell. They're all feeding off him and there's nothing better to hear as a fan, like a story from when he's up Rangers like that. That's just superb and it's what you want. So, mm. yeah, um, keep it coming. Off the bench, didn't you, Greg, as well last night? Yeah, and his interview after the game was really good as well. You know, they just seem like they're all raring to go and can't wait to get the chance. And, you know, like Horvath, when they get the chance, they don't want to let it go. And Lolly's another one. And we weren't sure whether he would come back. He's had some nasty injuries and 
he's come back and he looked last night when he came on like the Jay Lolly of a couple of seasons ago, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, the third goal then to seal the points, um, I was getting into it at home with my, my wife looking at me because I don't normally get too excited about it. <laughs> watching the team is hard not to. Kafu missed that chance. Oh, you useless. Well, and then he plays it back to Brennan and Brennan puts it past the keeper. I suppose, um, Greg, Brennan's form probably dipped a little bit, but he's still got a goal, hasn't he, last night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking about this this morning, that has he dipped or have all the players around him just really stepped it up again so he's kind of not had to be the player that everything goes through? And when he was there, he got his chance and he took it. He did something... Uh, because I had a little moan about how quiet he's been during the game. And just as I said, it, he won a brilliant free kick on the left-hand side. And then like five minutes later, he scores a goal. So, yeah, if that's him being quiet, then brilliant again. Was he quiet, Nick, do you think? I mean, you, didn't, you haven't seen much of Brennan, but were well, you know him for a long time. Was he a bit quiet yesterday? I read a few things. Uh, I, read a, I read an article this morning saying actually on statistics, he was very good. He actually was like the best player, which, mm. yeah. Perhaps sometimes the stuff that you don't see uh, stands out if you really look in detail. Uh, look, he's, he started the season, it looked, when Steve took over, uh, like a house on fire, didn't he? he? was really, everybody was raving about him. So he's a young player. He's going to have little dips and, and, and troughs, even the, you know, the best players in the world do. So it doesn't surprise me. What is really interesting, as Greg says, is that when you, when you perhaps aren't standing out as much and you still contribute, I think that's a mark of a really... That's mark of ta- that's a mark of talent, you know. That's a mark of a really good player. So, you aren't always going to uh, influence games the, the, the way you'd want to do as a, as a as an attacker. He scored, and he's still a threat, and people are still worried about his pace. So he still affects the game, even when he's not playing it perhaps as as well as people would like him to do. He still affects the game because the opposition will be worried about that pace. Uh, one last word on the game, and then the people watching live have got a couple of questions for Nick, actually. What did you make of the ref, Greg? <laughs> Horrific. Absolutely. I, th- I honestly thought it couldn't get worse than the Huddersfield officials. And I don't know whether it's these Prem refs are so used to having VAR to back them up. They forget they haven't got it. And I just thought he was terrible. I thought the linesman made some so such clear errors as well. And... He seemed to lose the game in the first half. He really did. And, you know, it was a good job for them that we won and they were forgotten about in the second half because they'd have been having the stewards march on to walk them off after full time, I think, because it's just not good enough. And it, it wasn't just for us. It was for them as well. There was just some such obvious uh, things happening that they weren't picking up on. And my only theory was it is because they, they've got bar, VAR backing them up so often, they just forget that it's not there. I don't know. Mm. I thought, um, I mean, it was Premier League ref, wasn't it, Jonathan Moss? Um, QPR were the most cynical team I've seen this season. Not dirty as in two-footing everyone, but shirt pulls and making sure players went down by pulling them down with their arm and stuff. So I thought they were a bit lucky to keep 11 on, potentially. Um, Before we move on to Liverpool, a couple of quick questions for Nick, since we're watching live and it's good to have him. uh, can you ask Nick if he knows anything about Jonathan Panzo? Do you know much about him as a young player on the scene? Uh, only that only that when he was young, there was an awful lot of interest in him. I think he was at West Brom, wasn't he? I think that West Brom and Chelsea took him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he was he was thought of as a very very promising young player. Lots of the big clubs were were after him. Uh, sometimes difficult for those kind of players 
I often worry a little bit when they move at 14 from one club where they're kind of doing well to another club. It can work sometimes. Uh, but you go from an environment where you're the best player and everything's terrific to suddenly kind of being tempted by more money and, and whatever. It's difficult. I'm not saying that's what's happened to him, by the way. I, I don't know. But I do think it's tough for young for young players to kind of to kind of adjust to that. So he's gone from West Brom to Chelsea to on loan. That's not easy. Not much stability in their in their in their football young footballing careers. That can be a problem sometimes. But he's definitely he was definitely seen when he was 14, 15 as a top top talent. Uh, the other one now it's not really a fair question to ask you, so I might tweak it a little bit from Byron about how you'd improve for us. I mean, I don't think that's a fair question, but <laughs> is there any slight weaknesses you might see in Forrest going into this Liverpool game particularly? Well, look, if you're going to start talking about weaknesses when you're playing against some of the best players in the world, then that's tough. You know, your Arsenal were flying yesterday and we didn't particularly play that well and still kind of turn them over. So any kind of weakness, unless you're absolutely world-class players, it's going to be difficult. Not impossible, but it's going to be difficult. Look, I think all... I, I, it's interesting well, when Greg was getting really enthused earlier on about the team, and, it, and I'm just thinking to myself, that reminds me of the last time when I think fans really, really got engaged around a team that had like young players, players with lots of, you know, a bit more experience, which was Paul's, Paul Hart's team, you know, uh, had Reedy and Prutz in and Dawson, Gareth Williams in, some really promising young players. And then it just kind of lost to two or three players the following season. It, it kind of went downhill from there. So I think what I'd be, if I was a Forest fan now, I'd be like, how can we improve? Every manager's going to say the same thing. Wouldn't mind one or two more players. You now, when the injuries come, just one or two more players. They don't have to be top players. They don't have to be like, you're going to massively improve your group. But I think if you had one or two more that were kind of the level of the group already, so that when you get a few injuries, you can put them in. Uh, if somebody goes in the summer, you're not. It's not going to kill you in a certain position. Uh, that's what I'd say. Any club that's in the situation, Forresting would really, really benefit. You're probably not going to get a top, top one. They're going to be in the Premier League. But you're going to, you can get ones that maybe are going to be top in the future. The young or the really, really experienced top, top pros. Uh, that's where. And that's why I think I think Forest in a really good position because if they don't go up, I'm pretty sure you're going to get top, top young ones. And really experienced pros have been around the league, seen it, or, or want to be part of the project. And then it's just about: can you pay the wages? Are you going to? Are you prepared to do that? If you can do that, I think that's the that's the best way you, I'd be looking to improve. Yeah, I mean, as we sit here now, Greg Forrest have sort of got part of that with Steve Cook and the young players. But then Steve Cook's injured, Lewis Graven's injured, now Max Lowe's injured, and McKenna went off last night. So the injuries are sort of here. I think they're right on that threshold of really struggling now. How are you? Uh, is that a worry for you going into the next few games? Well, we've got the international break, so that's going to help. Surely Graben's getting close now. I've, I haven't heard, but you'd think he must be getting close to coming back. You know, Lolly popped up again yesterday. So it, I suppose that's a tough thing with, with playing three central defenders as well. You haven't got that one on the bench to, to back up the other two if one gets injured, but. It is going to be tough, like definitely making sure we can fill in for all of them. But, you know, you've got Ryan Yates plays every single position on the pitch. Uh, we have got, uh, like, MB So hopefully isn't injured himself. And there are players that you'd imagine are going to be starting on 
Sunday that haven't played for quite a long time. You know, it might even be the debut for one of them. So uh, it must be a headache. It must be. But I honestly don't think it matters to the fans at the minute. There's, you don't get that team sheet read out like it used to and the groans in the pub before the game. It just never happens now. It's going into this Liverpool game then. It's interesting because they went at Arsenal and uh, Leicester and trusted them to go one-on-one, like Colback was one-on-one with Martinelli. Colback could be one-on-one with Salah on Sunday. How did Forrest... I mean, you, you don't want to speak for Steve Cooper, Nick, but as a from a coaching point of view, how do you go about a game like this against like genuinely world-class players, even if they rest a couple? Have a little prayer beforehand. <laughs> you, you set your team up well and but 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 you're talking about a team now in Forest that have only lost one game since Christmas you know this this year so they'll they'll, they'll be full of confidence at the, at the city ground with loads of fans behind them and it's not look pressure of having loads of fans and a raucous atmosphere is not something the Liverpool players aren't aren't used to that isn't going to phase them uh, but look realistically if Liverpool t- if you know if Liverpool turn up uh, and Forest turn up then probably 19 times out of 20, Liverpool go through, but the other time is different. Uh, you just have to get the best out of your players. You have to hope that they, they do as well as they can in their individual battles. Uh, you might hope that something you do with your formation or, or the way you set up is, you know, disintor- disorients the opposition a little bit. And oh, that's a problem we've not come across before. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be tough, mm. but not impossible. Do you think it would, I mean, against Arsenal, they, they didn't park the bus. They were quite tight for 45 minutes and then went then went at them. Do you think if you do that, that's, that's okay? But if you just do park the bus and try and hold Liverpool at bay, Nick, eventually you think that Liverpool will just break you down? Uh, probably. Probably. The, 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 the thing now that everybody's talking about, which is true, is that the... I guess if things weren't quite working for us in previous seasons, even... You know, look, we won the Champions League in one of them and the, and the, and the, and the Premier League in the other one you kind of like look at the bench and go, oh, some good players, but probably not quite at the level of our bench now. Uh, so if you solve one problem, you then have another problem to cope with later, you know, later on. So I, I guess some clubs have come to, come to Anfield and kind of park the bus and hope that they can exploit the space behind our fullbacks when we get, they get forward, but you've got to have really quick, really bright front players and our ah, two centre arse, particularly Van Dijk aren't exactly slow. So that's one way of doing it. You can really get after them and try and disrupt them. And look, ball bounces in in a certain direction. You get a bit of luck. They're off days in the straight. You can win that way. Uh, but the matchups aren't obviously are probably in Liverpool. Well, they are in Liverpool's favour, aren't they? They're definitely in a, in a, coming on our side. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I hope it is. Even though I saw that little forest thing, but. Uh, it's going to be a tough old day, but I think your manager is is very tactically astute. I think your players are really confident in a really, really good place. I think the fans will be a massive help. Uh, and then it's just out a bit of luck. So how are you feeling, Greg? Can I say what you said last night on WhatsApp? Yeah, go on then. Oh, you said last night at full time we'll smash them <laughs> about Liverpool. Yeah. That would be realistic. How are you feeling in more expanding on that one, that, that short sentence? I just think we've got to go for them like we did Leicester. I don't think we're going to be fearful and worried about what could happen. Um, you know, if we got it to extra time or something, then see 
see what happens there. I just don't know. We, you know, this era has never played Liverpool. You know, a lot of the fans in the ground have never seen us play Liverpool. We've been doing this build-up for the past two weeks and everyone's been saying concentrate on the league games. Well, we got a six point, so this is our prize now. And let's you know, just have a memorable day and who knows what could happen. Mm. You know, they any anything could happen and we've done it to Arsenal, we've done it to Leicester. I know Liverpool are on another level. You know, Man City and Liverpool are on their own out there, aren't they? But, you know, famous nights at the City ground, they just keep keep on coming this year, so... Football's a, great, football's a great game, isn't it, guys? Because I, I think if you look at most of the sports, there's no way, you know, like a second tier, second tier. Uh, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but in terms of the second second mm-hmm. division English football, a second tier tennis player goes out and beats Djokovic, you know, you know, in a in a big game. It just doesn't happen. And 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 the same in virtually every sport. But football is that one sport where, which is why we love it so much, where things can happen. Things can happen. It can just be an on day for a goalkeeper, an off day for a front set. A ball can bounce in a certain direction at a certain time. Uh, so there's always hope. And and I'd say if I were, if I was if I was Forest, I'd, I'd probably be thinking the same. It'd be interesting yeah. when you depend. It'll be interesting when, because I've got to be honest. I watched Forest for 16 years, like every game, you know, and had some brilliant, brilliant times. But when you see the likes of Salah and Van Dijk. A man, a place like okay, this is a different level. This is a different level, uh, but it is football. Mm. I hope they go for it because I think if they do, with Spence and Brennan and Keenan Davis, we haven't mentioned. He's just got that little something that will, you know, it, the ball might bounce off him even once uh, and create something. So I hope Forest don't sit in and end up regretting it. I hope they they do go for it, and even if they do lose, I think they'll give Liverpool a game and we can enjoy it. How do you think Liverpool are viewing it, Nick? Because, like I said to you before we recorded, um, their record under Klopp in the FA Cup isn't actually as clever as you might think it is. So how are they viewing viewing this game with so many trophies to fight for this season? Well, Jürgen's a winner. He wants to win everything. So, But he's also realistic about things in the past. You know, when you're going... We play a lot of games. When you play in Champions League, you know, and then you get through the that, that six games straight away. Then you get through the other you get through the other rounds. We've usually done quite well in that as well. There's a lot of football, and our squad has always been good, but it's probably not quite had, had the numbers of a city squad. And we've had some really good results in the. Uh, it's been brilliant for the academy, by the way. We've had some really really good results in the, in the FA Cup, but not kind of sustained it over a number of games. So we, we we've gone out and beat Everton at Anfield with a team full of like half the team was U team players. Uh, so a brilliant day for us. That's probably where Curtis Jones, who's now played probably nearly 60-odd games for the first team, kind of first shone in that. Uh, but the squad he's had has probably meant that because of the number of games we play, it's not that he doesn't want to win them. It's because he wants to win so much that it's kind of like, I've got to marshal my troops a little bit here and I could end up failing in everything uh, rather than right, you know, just, just marshal them properly and we want to go far, but if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I think now winning that uh, the League Cup and the squad we've got means as I think we now the club now thinks it's in a position to really challenge in on, on all fronts so I'm sure the players and definitely the manager will be well, they want to win the FA Cup this year mm. they, want to, they want to win as much as they can win uh, so I can't see him putting out a, a, a squad that he may have put out two three years ago I'd be very no. surprised but even if they do like <coughs> 
Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott, I think they're, they're like criminally underrated, especially Jones. Like if Jones played outside the top four and he was playing 30, 38 games a year for, say, Villa or Leicester, then we'd be saying he should be in the England squad, wouldn't we? So even that quality of player is, is top-notch, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess probably in the past, it's probably been, there's always been, I say it's been brilliant for the academy, there's probably been two or three boys have been given their real, given their chance, but probably had no experience or very little experience of playing in those kind of games. Some of those have absolutely kicked on because of it. It's, it's been great for us. But it's difficult to win round after round after round doing that. And sometimes some of the first team players might have to play a little bit out of position and what have you. But yeah, look, our our, our second, that's not our second stream, but our, our, if you were to pick, most people would pick their first choice across the pitch and then go with their second it's still really, really strong. It's a strong, it's de- definitely the strongest. Well, the, I'm talking for the manager, the manager said himself, it's definitely the strongest he's had since he's here. So I would imagine any team that they put out on uh, on Sunday will be will be very good. Um, just a couple of quick final questions before we turn to one other topic one for Nick and one for Greg. Uh, Greg, first, I think the gap to the playoffs to say is a point. The gap to automatic promotion now is eight points and we've played one more game than Bournemouth. You're the ultimate optimist, but a few fans in my Twitter timeline today were saying Forrest should be going for second. Well, what do you think to that? Huddersfield beat Bournemouth at the weekend. Then we go up to Bournemouth eventually when that game's played and beat them. Then if we've done well in between, we're going to be right up there. Mm. The, the, the key is getting those playoffs, isn't it? Once we've like cemented ourselves in those playoffs and then say, right, how close can we get to them? But... um. Yeah, at the minute, it's it's frustrating looking at that table. We keep winning and winning, and we're still not in that top six. We're still not cemented. Like Blackburn hardly scored a goal since January, and they were still in it for weeks, weren't they? So we've just mm. got to get in them, get in them securely, and then see how close we can get. Yeah, I guess you're shaving down the teams that can get in the playoffs now. Probably down to 10th or 11th, probably. Coventry got 54 points. A uh, question for Nick before we come to our final topic. Be interested to get your take on this. You haven't seen a lot of Forest this year, I appreciate. If they do get in the Premier League and they do retain the, the lone players they have, do you see the making of the kind of team that could do, you know, not necessarily definitely stay up, but be competitive with, with, with youth and pace and power in there? It's a really good question. It's a really good question because the, the, the clubs that have done that have tended to have... So I think about Leeds in their first season, obviously finishing ninth. I think about kind of a Sheffield United who finished ninth and both those clubs, obviously one's gone down and one's in trouble. Uh, I think about a Burnley, they've kind of managed to stay up there. They've tended to have quite a lot of experience in the group. Mm. So I think it would be really, really tough. Really, really tough. Uh Look at Norwich. Norwich have kind of like, if you look at Forest, like you said at the beginning, Forest form since the, since the first chunk of the season has been outstanding. But Norwich's form when they've been in the in the in the in the championships been really really good as well. So if I'm being completely honest, I think you'd need to recruit two, three, four Premier League players with lots of Premier League experience to add to those young young players, and then it becomes a little bit different. It comes a little bit more interesting. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible without doing that. I, I don't watch the team enough, and, and I'm sure, like I say, your coach is really bright and tactically really up there. Uh, so that might make a difference as well. But it, like I've seen a lot of the championship. I've seen a lot of the championship in my Forest days. The Premier League is a different animal. 
Yeah, it's interesting, Greg, isn't it? Because if you keep the loan players Forest have got, you probably, and maybe you loan Garner back or whatever, but if you had to try and sign all five, you're probably talking 40 million quid. And if you were to sign those two or three or four Premier League players that Nick's talking about, and I appreciate for people listening saying we're not there yet, but, you know, it's interesting to throw it around. You're probably talking another 50 million quid. The owner's going to have to find a hundred million pounds to make Forest a competitive Premier League team, isn't he? But surely when he bought the club, he always knew that it wasn't just Premier League being the dream. It was being successful in the Premier League. So mm. I think there'll be a plan in place ready to, ready to go. You know, he, he's a successful bloke, isn't he? He knows what he's doing. So, or, you know, with, with the CEO and some clever recruitment, maybe we don't have to spend that much money because we're finding these players that can, can do it for us. So it'll just be exciting to get there and see what they do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're way ahead of ourselves. It's the kind of conversation we all have down in the pub about what could happen. <laughs> um, I wanted to finish. Um, uh, Nick's on here in part to talk about the game, obviously, but also about Derek Otim, who's a former Forest youth player, and I'll let Nick explain more. Uh, former Forest youth player who didn't quite make it like so many don't, went to America and tragically died in 2019. Uh, his family's in a tough spot at the moment so Nick's trying to do something to help them so Nick why don't you tell people about Derek and what you're trying to do to help the family out yeah thanks Matt yeah so so Derek was a young lad so Greg will be a reel off as a, as a, a huge Forest fan loads of like players have been at the club for a long time kind of legends of the club uh, <clears throat> really invested all their you know all their energies into being as good as they can and helping the club as much as they can well, well Derek kind of did that but would be nobody would have heard of him because he was kind of a schoolboy player. Joined the club at nine, uh, I think he left at nineteen. So I, he was under sixteen when I went. Uh, then went to America, did his university degree over there, which a lot of them do. They don't quite make it. They'll go to university, and a few of those have gone on playing now. Less a few of those kind of players uh, passes his degree, and unfortunately uh, died in a tragic drowning accident. So a really horrible story to a kid, like it'd be horrible for any kid, any family. But really, genuinely, when I look back on my career and look back in the last 30 years, there's kind of always, the, you take away the players have gone on and been really successful and made it. And of course, we all we all know about those. But if I think about players who've really like caught my attention and I've really like gone, oh, what a terrific boy. He's undoubtedly one of them. Uh, sort of kid that always had a smile on his face, was a good, good player, a good, good young player. Didn't quite get there, but it wasn't you know wasn't far off. A really good young player, uh, balls, bibs, cones, all that stuff. Bring him in first. Just just a, just a top top boy. Uh, so I think a lot of the people have been around Forrest at, at the time he'd been around were kind of like heartbroken when when he passed. Family going through you know family difficult situation. Single mum, mental health nurse, working the taters off, not getting paid very much, looking after. Her, you know, Derek's siblings, got a grandkid in the house as well, health problems of her own, got a sister down in London who's got health problems, so she's, like, spending any spare time going down to look after her, which costs a fortune on the train, hasn't got a car, uh, hasn't really got anything. And the tragedy is if the boy, if Derek had been playing even, like, a lower league, lower leagues in, in England, the PFA, because he's obviously a member of the PFA, he would, the family would have got an, an insurance payout to kind of look after them because he's in America, didn't get that. So uh, I just spoke to the mum and, and, and trying to get a bit of money together just so they can put a deposit down so they can buy the, the house that they've they've lived in for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, and really, 
there's a lot going on in the world at the moment. You know, there's lots of really, you know, tragic, tragic things happening. So I've only really ever addressed this to Forest people and Forest fans and Forest ex-players because I think he was through and through Nottingham Forest, this kid. Through and through Nottingham Forest. I think he's part of the Forest family as much as a player who's played 10 years, you know, for the first team. Uh, so I'm really, the appeal is really for, for the Forest family, the Forest, the Forest people, whether it be staff, players, supporters, whoever, uh, to help this family out, so I've got to just give him page, put just give him page together. We're trying to raise in the region about twenty four thousand pounds, so she can just put a deposit on the house, so she actually owns something, she actually has something to pass on to her remaining uh, children when she eventually passes away, uh, and just give them a little bit of comfort in what's been a horrific time. Uh, I'll drop the link to the just giving just giving page in the comments uh, for this episode on YouTube and Facebook, and I'll put it in the description on iTunes for people who are listening. So hopefully people can help out in these difficult times around the world. Right. Uh, I think we'll probably leave it there. So thanks to everyone who's watched along, got lots of comments in, which does help. And uh, if you did enjoy it, do like and subscribe on iTunes and YouTube as normal. Greg, enjoy the game on Sunday. Will do. Nick? I'm going to be there. Are you there? I'm going to be there. It's my first... Uh, we played. Sorry, we played for us in the FA Youth Cup. A few years ago, but it's my first time back at the city ground. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm actually taking Derek's mum to the game. So, yeah, I'm going to be there. Posh seats or with the fans? Well, I didn't bother ringing Forest to try and get tickets. because I, I guess that would be kind of a problem. So I've gone through our end and you know, we, we are, yes, we're in, the, we're in the boardroom. So we've got really posh seats. Very nice. Very nice. Well, enjoy the game. Hopefully Forrest win. Sorry, but I'm sure you won't mind too much deep down in your heart if Forrest do. Uh, thanks very much, gentlemen. We'll be back on Monday with uh, Greg, who's back on Monday, and with Dan Story, the Chief Football Writer of the Eye Paper and a big Forest fan. So we'll look back on the Liverpool game and hopefully everyone joins us then. In the meantime, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.